Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the CPI inflation report and how it affected bond yields and mortgage rates, and then how the Fed has reacted. Thank you, as always, to our podcast sponsor, Truth, for making this episode possible. Logan, welcome back to the podcast on a day when you are wearing Go Taylor's Boyfriend Chiefs gear for me because you lost the Super Your 49ers lost the Super Bowl. A, a, a bet is a bet. You know, there it is. And I figured, what? What hat do I have that Travis Kelsey might wear? So I had to bring this out, which I haven't worn in a very long time. And I got the shades on, and I'm and I'm trying to like, I'm trying to I'm trying to represent. You know the what? Best, I I feel I that you have done that. You have done what you said you would. A man of your word, uh, gracious in defeat. You know that you just couldn't you just couldn't overcome the Chiefs this time. So you know I'm I'm sorry. No, we could not overcome the 49ers this time. That was the thing. You know, it's 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 funny. It's funny. I, I could actually tie the 49ers Super Bowl game to the Fed right now because I was watching that game and I was entirely mad the entire game. Even when the 49ers scored in the fourth quarter to go ahead, even when they're driving, I, I sat there mad the entire game because I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're old and slow. You're not supposed to be this. You have to finish the game and win. You can't make all these mistakes. You know, you know, you're, you're going to lose at the end. And I was thinking, this wow. is the Fed. This is the Fed. What are you doing? What are you doing? And especially after this week, we're, we're doing it again. So yeah, we, we have, do a, lot have a lot about. to talk about. Mad respect to you for this outfit. I hope, you know, if people are listening to this, he's got a fedora type hat on, very big sunglasses. Go Taylor's boyfriend shirt. It's just, it's a look. It is a vibe. And I appreciate the, you know, going all in for, uh, for the fact that you guys lost. So, okay. Now we can turn you know ourselves. Me, I always go all in and everything. Yeah. <laughs> going true. all in everything all day. Okay. So the fed, the fed, what a crazy week. So, you know, let's talk about first we had the, the CPI inflation data and what happened there. So, so let's start at the top here, Logan. Okay. So first of all, everyone have to realize. The Fed actually moves around the PCE inflation, not the CPI data. There's no dot plots on the CPI data. And one of the reasons why the PCE data is much lower than CPI is because the rent weighting is much different there. And, you know, we had talked about this last week, Sarah. I said, you know, we need to do like a 6 or 8% mortgage rate discussion because I'm not feeling as comfortable if we are still up here over 4% with so much of the growth rate of inflation falling, and if some market mistake happens, the bond market can do it again to the Fed. And the bond traders were not ready for that uh, uh, CPI report. So they shot the 10-year yield above four and a quarter, which is which is my peak. Currently, right now, we're at four and a quarter last time I checked. We got to 4.34%. So everyone, that is a really, really big level. If that 4.34% breaks, we could have another 2023 repeat. We're always talking about carbon copy and the bond market could torch the Fed. So what happened today? Waller, angry Waller is like, maybe we were too restrictive in our guidance. 
Come, God, come on! Why are you people waiting? Pull the trigger! Stop playing with the bond market, man! These people will roll right over you. And hopefully, I am just hoping this time around, the Fed got with some traders and they said, Homie, if this 4.34%, we're going to have another 5% 10-year yield. And then you're going to have to come out here and like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. So Goolsby came out today. He's like, maybe we have to cut rates before it gets into whatever. This is what old and slow is. This is the end of 2022 going all the way to here. And now they don't know what to do. They're like, oh, well, we, we might not cut rates or we might do this or we have two to three rate, whatever it is. We are wasting time now. PCE inflation, the, the thing that they told us to track is running out of one handle. You know, the headline, 12 months, headline is 2.6, course 2. Point. What are we doing here? Why are we even like debating, should we get back to 5% on the 10-year when that was a very restrictive? So they are frustratingly playing with fire, like we wrote that article. You're playing with fire, man. The bond market will roll out over you. And I, I, I am hoping that somebody yesterday came to the Fed and said, you guys better talk this down or else that 10-year yield breaks 4.4, and you get follow through. You're going to do the same thing. And then we're sitting here and then they're going to go, I don't understand. Yes, you do. Land the plane. If you don't want this job, give it to somebody that wants to do it. And can we say that Neil Kashkari from Goldman Sachs is a very overrated Fed official now, after everything, you know, after all this, that we're sitting here contemplating that we might be going up again when it was very restrictive that we need to try to manage the bond market, just cut the rates and go forward with it. This is why I'm not a Fed pivot person. If you are playing with fire, you can get burned. You don't need to do this anymore. The We had lower mortgage rates and lower 10-year yields with higher inflation. You know that, Sarah? That that th- they, I only know that because I edit your things. Yeah, yes. but I mean, this is where we are at, and and first of all, the CPI data. There were so many abnormalities where the OER rent deviated from the actual rent data itself, and it was just like that's never occurred. In any case, bond traders are going to do what quant bond traders are going to do. It's a computer. It's going to go. Oh, bad line, sad line. Let's sell everything, right? So, um, just playing with fire. Don't need it. And and and. and this is why I have not been a Fed pivot person for a long time. I know what a pivot looks like. And there a pivot looks like, okay, we are going to neutral. We're cutting rates. We're going to what we've always said. They need to endure and just go with it and not trying to micromanage everything at this stage. And uh if the Fed's own data lines they told us to track weren't have a one handle on the inflation data or job openings, quits percentages pre-COVID, everything you told us to focus on is at your targets. And we're still, oh, we gotta we gotta say something or else the 10 year old will shoot up again. And we so it's just it's 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 getting stupid. I mean, it's it's just getting at this point. I mean, being old and slow is one thing, but you've got to be at least somewhat clever out there. You don't have to actually destroy if the market is pricing five or six rate cuts. And you don't do it, that's fine. You don't have to actually like, oh, we have to talk things back up and all of a sudden, oh, wait a second, what's going on here? Don't do this back and forth game. And you just, you're just not good at it at this point. And now we're here again this morning waiting for Waller to tell us that, oh, maybe the Fed's uh, was too hawkish. 
or uh, we our forward guidance is too hawkish. Let's let's not waste. We wasted so much time when the ten year yield got to five percent. We had eight percent mortgage rates when inflation's not breaking, and we got one handles now. Let's not do this again in twenty twenty four. If you don't want to ball up and play, just go walk, right? But let's let's keep everyone in page for what you had told us to expect. So I think what's really surprising to me, so so you might want to um, explain a little bit more about why you think the PCE data does not warrant this kind of reaction. Because I across well, the board, people are like freaking out about the PCE data. So 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 we have three inflation reports, CPI, PPI, Oh, and I'm PCE. sorry. CPI. I misspoke. Yeah. CPI. Data. Yeah. So the, the CPI data gets a lot of attention, but it's not what the Fed tracks. Fed tracks PCE. Whether you want to argue about headline or core, that's fine. It's still the PCE. That data line on the three to six month time frame is under 2%. Then they told us the job openings data, the quits percentages, that's what they care about. The quits percentage is pre-COVID. The hires are pre-COVID, right? The CPI data, we all know shelter's lagging. So that's that's one of the reasons. It's so this is not the period in time where you need to risk trying to manage the 10-year yield at this point. And this is why, like, it's, I totally understand if people go, why are rates so high when the growth rate of inflation has a one handle on the Fed's main tracker on the three, six months? Because they told us that, Sarah, they said in 2022, we want everyone to track three, six, 12-month PC because that's what we're doing. It was a lie. If that was the case, they would have already cut rates five times already. So they just, they just don't got it. Man, they just, I mean, there's one thing to be old and sold, but man, you, everything you told us to follow, we're doing. And now you're like, oh, oh my God, you know, so embarrassing again, you got to bring Waller out today and say, oh, wait, we were too hawkish on our guidance and Goolsby's got to come out. Oh, we got to cut. I mean, really, are we, do, are we literally doing this again in 2024? So that's at least, I mean, the, the. The the one positive thing is they came out today and was like whoa 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 we because I I'm I'm pretty sure some trader had to say hey guys you break this four point three four percent like you did last year you're risking that five percent ten year again and then you got to come out here and sound like a you know oh, happy Valentine's Day everybody roses are red violets are blue the Fed is old and slow let's hope they stop being fools too. I mean, come on. Nice. I, I like this. Uh, the poet the poet side of Logan coming out, maybe it's the fedora. The fedora is you're 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 just channeling this this poet side of you. I'm so- challenging I'm challenging my Travis Kelsey. I'm challenging Taylor's <laughs> boyfriend, right? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So here's the problem with all of this foolishness is that if you're in housing, it has real world consequences for you. Even this, you know, even a couple of days, even a week of this on in, in a time when we are, you know, 
it is it has been a really challenging time and now you have consumers deciding what they're doing for the spring buying season and and things are going up like this you're just again it's that volatility that can kill housing Sarah Wheeler, we are talking about a group of individuals that one of them said that the interest rate sensitive sectors are holding up well. And we are in the third calendar year of great recession lows, which I would argue are all time lows because we have a lot more people working. This is this is becoming a clown show at this point. Right. At least at least understand that we are educated people. And this Mickey Mouse terminology that some of the Fed people use on housing is just not not correct. I mean, if you want to separate the new home sales sector and say, okay, those builders are sub 6% mortgage rates, they're selling homes. Okay, there we go. That's completely fine. That's what the data, but here, I think what happened last year, and this is the honest truth. The Fed said, oh, okay. Purchase application data is rising. Let's just say the housing recovery. And the thing is the purchase application data wasn't rising at that point. So they said housing is recovering housing. And then all of a sudden, 10-year yield broke on them. And then home sales went to pretty much all-time lows at this point. I, I know in the you know early 1980s, we got down to 2 million, but we have a lot more people now. So I, I just feel like they're uncomfortable with this. So listen, Fed members, if you need somebody to talk about housing, honestly, let me do it for you guys. I mean, I just, I, I feel bad for y'all. I mean, seriously, like watching Powell say subdued. We've gone from recovering to subdued. No, great recession lows, third year. So let's, let's, let's just get on the same page. So we don't have to wait. I, I'm like, now I'm like worried that something, something will happen. The 10 year yield breaks 4.3 and then we're shooting back up to 5%. And the feds like, I don't know. This is what we, this is why we did that six or 8% mortgage. Like what can happen? Market overreacts. There is no CPI dot plot. It's a PCE, right? And we're, we're wasting time now because every day we're closer to death, Right. If the PC inflation was running at six, seven percent, okay, that's understandable. It's not, not anymore. We got two handles on twelve months. We got one handles on three to six months. And the plane. It's it's now it's 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 getting it's getting pretty embarrassing out there. So I just you tell us to follow certain data points, and we don't we follow, and it's there, and it's like they can't pull the trigger. Like you know, people that could pull the trigger, Sarah. Sarah, do you, do you? I can pull the trigger. You could figure that out about me. Like I'll take a debate on any single human being on planet Earth, twenty four seven. I will bury these people live on camera. I will. Everyone will know. I am ready to go. These people, they smell soft, right? They just like, oh, I don't know. I don't. Know. I got Bostic out there. Maybe we'll cut. Out. I mean, part of me actually likes the fact that I know that somebody told the Fed, hey, what technical levels are about to break? Are you doing this and like knocking them on their ass? But I mean, maybe we need to do this again to wake them up because now it's like, and, and they're just cold. They're just, oh, like you're not fooling anyone. In in the 60 Minutes interview that Powell did just what, week and a half ago that, that um, you wrote up for us, you know, he talked about how, well, we just want to, you know, his very cautious tone. And he talked about how you have to balance because you could be too restrictive. You could be too open, you know, like it, it, it's a, it's a balance. And it's like, Hey, I think, Hey, I think we know which one we're on right now. Like it's too restrictive. It's, it's too restrictive. The reality is that when Waller came out and said, our future guidance might've been too, out <laughs> of all the people Waller said that today. I mean, there's, there is a realization that 
you know, maybe they can't manage the marketplace like they thought. And, and I, I mean, I'm just, they're not savvy and clever in that sense. So I, it, 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 I'm sitting there looking at that 4.34 level. I was like, oh, if this cracks, it's on. So I, I, the, the only positive thing I could say about this is that I'm pretty sure somebody got to the Fed overnight and said, hey, listen, homie, you break this level on the 10-year yield. We're, we're, we're doing the 2023 5% 10-year again. And now then you're going to have to, like you said, it were really restrictive. Like, and then you got to manage this again. Do you, you really want to do this? So uh, we'll see. And that's just for everyone out there. that Just think of that 4.34% level like we did last year when we talked about it going up and going down. Those are really key. So we'll, we'll take it from there. But man, it was just like that, that CPI report was was kind of looked odd and off anyway. But the market reaction was like, because bond traders weren't ready for that. And I, I get that. It, these are computers and quads. They read headlines and are, boom, here we go. So um, the concern I would have is that if bond traders go, hey, let's all short the bond market again. Let's test the Fed, you know, make them actually really pivot. And it just... Just you don't don't need to play with fire. It's like it's like there's a hole. We're all out here in a picnic out there, and there's like a fire pit two miles away, and all the Fed members are let's go touch the fire over there. Like why? What are you doing? Everybody's here. So why do you need that? So that's the Fed. That's mortgage rates. We have some other things happening. Um, Tell us what else is going on. Purchase apps came in. What did we see? So purchase apps came in week to week negative. Right. So the year to date count, two positive, three negatives. Uh, going back all the way to November, we have eight positives, three negatives, higher rates. Just you're not going to get much traction. It's 2023 carbon copy again. And uh, uh, the, the year over year decline was less. But I would tell you, I told people right away, listen, we, we have easier comps to work with. And that's why the decline was less on a year over year basis. Because last year at this time, that's when remember last year at this time is when Neil Kashkari came out and said, Six percent mortgage rates. You're going to make our lives difficult. You people having sex and buying homes. We can't have that. That's happened in the 1970s, and our model said we have to destroy the economy in the 1970s. In any case, that's why last year we saw that spike from six to seven percent, and actually we saw some noticeable uh, declines in purchase apps. Remember, rate of change. That's why the rates and, and purchase apps move off of. Um, but the interesting thing right now, Sarah Wheeler, the mortgage rate lockdown. Oh my, that's what we got to get into right now. Okay, so let let me just say this: there are a number of people who, on social, um, because we had this, you know, this wager about the Chiefs versus the 49ers, they were like, some people are like, well, yeah, but at least Logan, you won the mortgage rate lockdown. But I have had quite a few people reach out to me and be like, actually, I agree with you and not Logan on this. And of course, even in our own company, there are people, we have a split decision. Do you know why mortgage people agree with you on the mortgage rate lockdown? Because they want mortgage rates to fall and demand pick up. They just want mortgage rates to fall and demand picks up. There's nothing about inventory, man. It's nothing about, so let's let's use this right now. Because I know in Housing Wire, some of the people in Slack try to get lippy on me about the uh, mortgage rate lockdown. I was like, okay, here we go. So let's, uh, let's think about this. Rates are up year over year. Okay. Inventory is up year over year. New listings data is up year over year. People said if there's a mortgage rate lockdown, inventory can't grow. New listings data can't grow. That's what I was told. 
And I was like, well, last year, mortgage rates got to 8% and the data was pretty stable. That means we were, we're at a historic low. We can bounce from there. So people said that, well, if mortgage rates fall and demand picks up, well, the inventory can grow. Well, listen, mortgage rates are higher. New listings are higher. Active inventory is higher. The price cut percentages are falling on a year-over-year basis, but the the inventory is growing on a year-over-year basis. Now, I would argue that if mortgage rates were at five and a half, let's say rates fell all the way to five and a half, and we just channeled six and a quarter to five and a half. Boy, we are pushing that seasonal bottom all the way out to April again because we just don't have enough product. And when demand comes in, just remember, one of the reasons why inventory doesn't grow nationally for a long time, when a first-time homebuyer that finances 90% plus their homes, they take that inventory off. They're not giving you a house. So this is a reason why we all do these charts that show mortgage rates go down, active inventory falls, right? Mike has a different way of, uh, Mike Simonson from Altos has a different way of looking at it. I, I just do the credit channels, inventory channels. That's my thing. And, and here it is. Demand is not really growing year over year. Purchase application data has not had a positive year-over-year print for a while now. So weakness in demand, higher rates, inventory can grow. There it is. Negative, double-digit negative purchase application data, inventory is up year-over-year, new listings up. That was not supposed to happen. The mortgage rate lockdown was like new listings are never going to grow, inventory can never grow, mortgage rates have to go down. I don't I don't agree with Happy your Valentine's Day again. I don't agree with your definition. So this is the problem, Logan. I don't agree with your definition. So it's not like never grow. It's not like, you know, there there'll be no no change here. It's Wheeler. No, I'm serious. Wheeler, the, Wheeler I'm telling you, man, all I heard was that there's no way new What about Sean Dobson? Sean Dobson said that. It's like new listings data can never grow. Roads have to go down. Here it's growing. It's not it's not spectacular, but it's growing. So here it is. Let's let let let's play this game. By the way, this is my ace card I'm about to pull out. If I told you new listings data was higher now than in 2021 when mortgage rates were at 3%, would you believe me? Sarah Wheeler, would you believe me in if I said new listings data is 2021? We had 3% mortgage rates. Did we? Is, would you believe me if I said new listings data is higher this last week than 2021? when rates got to 3%. I know I'm being baited here. This is the problem. But here's the other thing, Logan. Let's talk about the fact. How, are you, how do you know? Oh <laughs> because you wouldn't ask Go me ahead. that unless you know you're going to get me with it. But here's the thing. if I, I told you, I got my ace card. I got my ace card. I, I got this all lined up. I, I, I did this to everyone on Twitter. I said, if I told you guys to, we would be higher than 2021 when rates were there, I was like, there's no way possible. Oh, there's a chart. Everybody zipped up really quick. Nobody said anything after that. They're like, what? Oh, oh no, no, 3% mortgage rates back then, man. We got 7% rates here. I th- what happened? Okay, so let's back up. Again, my definition of a mortgage rate lockdown is you have less demand because less people are going to want to trade in their old mortgage for the new higher mortgage. Part of that is inventory, right? Then, 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 then everyone needs to keep the inventory story out of the question. Y'all, just to say... This has nothing to do with inventory. This is just buyer and seller demand, right? That equilibrium. But everybody says you can't grow inventory. There is a lockdown. Nobody's going to sell their... Happened. It's before, I mean, Valentine's Day. Before Valentine's Day, we had it. So what what's happened is that, okay, so it's not fair because I track this data religiously. I know it back and forth. I mean, I go all the way back. 
when Mike Simonson and Housing Wire joined, you know what I did? I like spent 48 straight hours of looking at the, all the data. And listen, he's got like 65 data lines too. This is like, we don't even share the stuff to the public. Like we, we just give the basic standard stuff nationally, but we can break down everything. And I'm just like going through, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There is stuff that I have not shared. I'm starting to share some of the things. It's like the people that are a 2008 crowd are like, Oh, so it's 2008 inventories. I said, do you guys know how much new listings data was growing in 2008, 2011? No, you don't. You've never seen the data line. I have. Mm-hmm. 250,000 to 400,000 per week. Why is that? How, how did that work out? Rates were lower. How did new listings data grow with lower rates? Uh, demand didn't, right? New listings count as demand that doesn't go on contract. So we have weakness in demand that also can actually grow the data line pool. So you had the biggest period in history. And I, and, and l- let me give you some real crazy stats on that. The it's seasonal, right? So let's say 30 to 90 K 2021 to 2024. We were in 2010 and 11, this is 2010 and 11 too. We were running 370 to 400,000 per week. That was a seasonal peak back then here. We could barely, I think we had like maybe a week or two over 90 K barely. So there's a supply and demand equilibrium and everything goes back to people it's hard for people to do the supply and demand equilibrium in housing when credit channels are different. And that's my whole thing. I could spend like three hours doing a dissertation on credit channels, running the entire housing market differently, not only here, but just the U S economy itself. So don't be shocked that inventory is up. Don't be shocked that new listings data is up. But if you want to be shocked that new listings data is up, on 2021 levels, when it was 3% rates, that's what everyone said back then. There's like, people are going to rush to the market, sell their homes, forbearance, everything, and new listing. New listings trading back, they were all-time lows back then too. But this week, this last week, above 2021 levels. Nothing spectacular or anything, but still above. And that was not supposed to happen with higher rates. I'm just sitting here shaking my head. <laughs> you're, I know you're shaking your head, see? <laughs> I know you're shaking your head. Because I just think we're coming at it from a different point. But I do I do also realize what you're saying about rates. If it is all about inventory directly tied to rates, I understand that. I think we just have a difference of opinion on what a mortgage rate lockdown means. And so from that divergent point, we're coming to different conclusions. All I know is people told me new listings data could not grow with, with higher rates. They, they, they just And I'm just like... None of you people ever read the data line, so you're all just making stuff okay, up. Okay, so here. so it's just it's been here for like 10, 10 12 years, and uh, and, it's, and people in our company were trying to people in the company were trying to like like actually like debate me on this. No. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about inventory since that was a silver lining of last week, right? Is that we did see inventory grow a little bit. Tell us about that. I I am such a pro supply person. I just know the limits to what can happen in this kind of marketplace because 
homeowners aren't middle-aged men, stock traders. Man, you should see these Twitter people. You want to talk about a bunch of frauds and clowns and oh, these people are just like like you got to realize these are grown ass men hiding behind stupid ass names and just like you got to think man it can't be pretty it cannot be pretty being this bad and if you guys gotta hide your stuff this is why i challenge everyone i'm gonna sarah you have no idea what i'm gonna do in the next 10 years I'm collecting every dead body that I, I collected in the last 12 years for this. But, oh, Lord, some of these people. In any case, um, I I feel much better about the housing market when we're back to 2019 levels. Just because if demand does pick up, the inventory channel gets uh, uh, a hit lower. Now, a great test case is 2023, right? Mortgage rates just got down to like 5.99%. The seasonal bottom took all the way out there because that's supply and demand equilibrium, right? You cannot list your house and buy another one unless you are qualified, right? So the supply is a function of demand. And because of the QM laws, everything changed. And everybody's thinking that, you know, we're going to all of a sudden throw away 13 years of data for a theory that we can't prove, but we, inside ourselves, we believe it because it made sense. It made sense back in 2000 and 2005. Yeah, different credit markets. So, so the good part is active inventory is growing. The price cut percentages are down year over year, but I mean, we're, it's kind of like we're in a like a, a, a normal housing market compared to what happened in the last four years. So, so that's 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 the positive side, uh, and this really happened last year uh, when mortgage rates were higher and heading higher, and the new listings data was like a cool cat just sitting there and just not doing anything. It had these really wild moves around holidays and uh, 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 events. But after that, it was so stable. And that was happening with high rates. That that should have been a cue on everyone. Boy, that is a unbelievable bottom being put in. And just remember, housing affordability, the total cost of housing took demand off. So that means supply comes off, right? In that sense. So unless you get a job loss recession, unless you get forced sellers, people just don't go, okay, I'm going to sell my house. And I, oh, Oh, I didn't pre-qualify for a house out there. Oh, let, okay. Oh, my house is sold right now. Honey, what do we do? Honey, I shrunk the kids. Honey, I I, I sold the house without being pre-approved. It doesn't work that way. So um, that's that's this the supply and demand. That's you know part of the neurotourist trying to explain that. And that's that's a lot different than what we had from you know, let's say 1996 to 2005, but also really from 2000 to 2005, where we had booming sales and active inventory growing in that sense. Okay. So it, we are, um, we always record a day before. So we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, February 14th, Valentine's day. It's appropriate that you're, you're wearing uh, go Taylor's boyfriend uh, and sporting your Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey look, I think. Yes. So uh, what else should people be looking for this week or, you know, what's coming up that like could be interesting to look at? So basically the tracker becomes more interesting because rates are going higher and then we want to see how that equilibrium plays out. And I think last year the story was that, it, uh, and I, I kept on writing about it. Like I had higher, I'm, I'm a higher rates, weakness in demand, days on market can grow and inventory can grow. And inventory did grow. It grew all the way very late in the year, but it never hit my targets. And that to me was like, whoa, what's going on here? And then the price cut percentage data, which the story of 2023, the price cut percentage was down 4% year over year, even with mortgage rates heading toward 8% and staying there. And I was like, I like 
I don't know if people understand what that was telling you because nobody seems to care. And I was like, people thought because of that, the seasonal pricing would actually get much weaker and we were going to have negative uh, price growth in, in 2023. It did not happen. This is why the tracker is created. So everyone gets to stay on the same page, right? Everyone gets to read the correct data and then you, you don't miss anything. Right. If the price cut percentages were increasing like they did in 2020, you saw pricing. Like we had low inventory, low monthly supply, but but prices actually went down the second half of 20 because we had the biggest home sale crash, the fastest ever. So the product out there needed to cut prices. That's different. That all changed after November 9th. That all changed after November 9th. And I encourage everyone, go read the October 27th, 2022 article, and then go read the November 9th. And I was like, here we go. You're not gonna believe me. Okay, we're going to get this tracker article out and everyone's going to see. But but when a few months down the line, because I've seen this in 2013 and 14, did this in 2018 and 19. And here we are. I understand the velocity of the biggest crash in sales. Prices follow volumes. Home prices are going down. You know, Sarah Wheeler, we actually have people out there that think home prices were down 15 percent in 2023. Like you, you like there's these crazy people that out there, by the way. Everyone, do you do not use the census data, the median sales price? So a good example about this, why don't we use the new home sales data for the existing homes? Because they are two different marketplaces. But the makeshift of sales prices for median homes, if builders sell more smaller homes into the mix, the median price is going to fall down, right? This happened in 2017 too. I was literally debating the same people in 2017. People are prices are crashing. Look at that. I said, no, they're selling more smaller homes into the mix. Are there price cuts? Yes, but it's not going to taint the entire existing home sales market because they're two different markets. This is why reading is a good thing, (laughs) right? If people believed in reading, they would know this. So I have to like somehow explain it. So do not you, any, any human being that shows the census HUD median price and tells you prices were down 15%, get that person to rehab, get that person a Rosetta Stone or some kind of book or teach them how to read get them to visually see and get, because that, that was, and I even did a poll in Twitter and I was like, how many people think home prices were down? And like, 11%. So we got 11% of people who don't read and literacy rates are so high on the world in the world. Literacy rates are, and then I like, Oh my God, reading in America is down. Literacy rates are high. Reading is down. So, so there you go. Here we are. This is this is where this is where that eleven percent comes from. So I would encourage all of our listeners. Um, we put out the housing market tracker on Saturdays. Well, that is that is when I don't, you know, when I'm not like in Disney World. A couple uh, weeks ago, I looked down and it was you on my phone. I was like, it hit me at that moment. I had not published the tracker, so it didn't go up until Sunday. But almost always, I'm on my game. You're always on your game. It's it's usually me that that falls down there. But almost every Saturday, you have a life. I, I don't. I do have a That's life. the thing, Sarah. You have a life. I don't. So I just this so is all. That's what I do. you do. So every Saturday, housing market tracker, looking at all of these uh, variables. So. Logan, thank you for being a good sport about your 49ers. And um, thanks for bringing this information to us. That's right. You're showing your your t-shirt again. And um, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening and thank you to our sponsor, Truve. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.